In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. So today we're going to focus a little differently. We've been talking for the last few weeks about the plan of salvation um, and what was going on. Um, today, though, I just want us to meditate on one theme, which is our Lord works through the small. So if we look at the, the way that the God has always worked in time, God has always worked through the people who didn't see themselves as anything much. Right? He didn't work through the ones who saw themselves as being all that, as we say. We look at someone like Samuel. right? Samuel was simply a child dedicated to God and nothing more. Samuel didn't do anything special in, in the eyes of the people. right? Samuel didn't choose to be in the temple, actually his mother did. Um, and sent him there. And yet this nobody, right, that nobody really thought much of, he was just, he was literally the altar boy, he was like any one of our kids that, that wear their, their tonya on Sundays, that God decided that he was going to use to anoint and crown kings, right, and to prophesy. Gideon is another great example, right, even his response to, to God is, please Lord, how can I deliver Israel, right? Even though it's God saying, you should do this thing, how can I do that, right? He didn't think, oh great, finally, God's using me, I'm that good, I'm that strong, right? His response was, what do you mean me, right? I'm, I'm the smallest in my family's house, right? And my tribe isn't even a big tribe, right? He's one of the half tribes. Um, so how on earth could you be using me, the least in my family? And the Lord said, then I will be with you, right? I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man, as we read. Look at somebody like Joseph, right? Joseph was not somebody who was in any good position or authority. Yeah, he was spoiled at home, right? His younger, he was a younger brother that frustrates the whole household. But when he got thrown into the well and sold off into Egypt, he was not exactly in a, a bargaining position, right? And then when he simply did his job, he was falsely accused right, of, of sleeping with his, his boss's wife, right, which is a huge accusation, and thrown in prison. And in prison he was definitely not in a good position, right, there is in a foreign country, in a foreign land, with people who spoke a foreign language to him, with a foreign culture, and he was in prison. And even there as the underdog, right, as a person who didn't have anything, God wanted to show that the most impossible of situations to a human being could be completely reversed. So they might actually believe that it's his work. Because if he took some guy in Pharaoh's palace and said, I'm going to make you this and this and this, the people won't see it as the work of God. They'll say, no, he was a man of power. right? He was a man of affluence and influence. He was a right-hand man to the king. And naturally, that's why these things happened. But when you take somebody of whom it makes absolutely no sense right, that he would ever be the success story, right? that's when you can see that it is not that person working, but God. This man who is a foreigner in a foreign place in a foreign land went from prison to the second most important person in, in the kingdom of Egypt, which was one of the most powerful kingdoms at the time. Right? That is something that nobody would have expected of some Jewish boy from Israel. Right? That wasn't what the expectation would be. Look at King David. Right? When, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to choose the king to replace Saul. 
Jesse was so embarrassed about his son David that he didn't even want to present him. Right? He was like, not this one, obviously not this one. He's the youngest, he's frail, he's weak, he doesn't know how to do anything. Right? And yet it was this person that God said, no, 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 you have one more, bring him out. This is a man after my own heart. Right? And he took this, again, this little shepherd boy who wasn't strong. We sing that psalm on Joy Saturday. I am the youngest of my father's children. Right? Where he looked at himself as being the yes. And yet God raised me. God elevated me and took me. God works through the smallest of the small so that the works can be made manifest to what they really, really are. One of the most obvious of these is the apostles. Right? Who lie in every church. The apostles were nobodies. Right? By their modern context, the apostles were not seen as respectable people. Right? That's one of the reasons why the Jews didn't like him, like they didn't like our Lord. Like, who are these people that he sits with? Right? His groupies are like failures, right? And he goes to the houses of sinners. Like, why isn't he sitting with the prestigious people? The apostles were fishermen, right? They were tax collectors. Tax collectors were despised people. They were seen as traitors because not only were they working for the bad guy, their occupiers as they viewed them, but they were collecting their money to give to them, right? Like, so to add insult to injuries, like not only did you side with them, but you're taking my money and giving it to the people who we can't stand. Imagine if, I don't know, if China took over America, right? And then you have a bunch of Americans that said, don't worry, we like you all, work for the Chinese, right? And then they go around to all their former American friends and collect their money to send it to China, right? Nobody would look at them with love and respect and go, what a great idea. You would look at them as traitors and apostates and as horrible people. That's what Matthew was. Okay, he was a tax collector working for the bad guys. And so nobody would expect any good teaching to come from their mouth because they're uneducated. Only one of them had priestly ties, as John, right, and his brother James. The rest of them had nothing really connected to the temple or knowledge. And so that's why Christ worked with these people, so that any work that they did, the people would know that this is not them, right? That when the Holy Spirit came upon them, Right? The people saw that something was different about them, and so they couldn't accept that they were possibly changed. They said, no, no, they're drunk. Right? That's what they said on the day of Pentecost. They like, no, they must be drinking too much because nobody talks like that, and these people shouldn't know anything. But the person who most exhibits this, this smallness and humility more than anyone is Our Lady, right? St. Mary the Theotokos, which we see in this Gospel. Right? When God looked, like we said last week, from on high, looking at the fullness of humanity of all times and said, I need one person, right, one person who could fit this role, he found nobody. He found nobody other than St. Mary. He was looking for the presence and existence of a woman so pure and so loving and so much keeping the image and likeness of himself that could be worthy, found worthy to contain the limitless inside of herself. I don't know how many of us ever thought about what that really means when we think of St. Mary. That God who is limitless and uncontainable and undefinable and, and has no boundary said, if I have to choose one woman from the beginning of time until now, who would it be? And he said, it's this woman. Right? This is the one who it is. This is not a small dignity. And St. Mary didn't start off as a noble woman who was crazy rich and loved by all the people. 
Rather, like we said before, someone chose for her to be dedicated to the temple. She did not choose to be dedicated to the temple. Tradition tells us that she was actually given to the temple at the age of three, right? So she didn't really get a strong vote in the matter, right? Whether she said yes or no, nobody knows what a three-year-old um, wants or doesn't want. But from such a young age, she was immersed in the church, right, with the people of God. And she understood the life of the church, the ways of God, and, the, and attuned to the language of God. Most of us today are pretty upset when our parents force us to go to church, right? Instead of us trying to find out how to grow um, in the church. She didn't. On top of this, her service in the church wasn't prestigious, right? St. Mary's work in the church was the menial tasks, right? She was like the assistant secretary, not even, not even secretary status, right? St. Mary was the coffee girl or the coffee guy um, in the office that just does the runs. She's the one that the big shots can hire, right? So they can do all the big things, right? And then they have this person in the background who takes care of all of their, all of their monkey work. But so she took on these jobs while nobody was, was watching. It was this incredible humility, this lack of desire to be in the spotlight that put God's eyes on her. He works best with those who are lowly because they are not self-absorbed. This is why he can work with them. The willingness to say, to, say okay to everyone without a fight, right? Without pride, without feeling that something was beneath her is why our God sees this hidden thing in her and rewards her so openly. The little girl of the temple would become the mother of God and of the whole world. So this little girl who is nothing extraordinary in the eyes of the people is now known in every nation. But if she did not have this humility, do you think she would have said to the archangel, be it done unto me according to your word? I don't think so. She's saying, whatever you say, just let it be yes. I don't, I don't understand it, I don't get it, but whatever you say is fine. She even clarified politely. She's like, I don't know, like, are you aware that I'm not married? I haven't had any relations. Like, just making sure that that's clear, right? Even, like, she looked at herself as having some flaw or problem, right? Of saying, I, I can't do that task because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do that, right? That was, she didn't say this makes no sense or laugh um, or have any kind of sarcasm. Right? She just responded saying, as long as you know that, like, I just want to make sure. And she, was, and she was answered with affirmation from the angel. And once he says, yeah, I know, right, but the Holy Spirit is going to do this, she just says, okay. Right? I just wanted to make sure that that was clarified. If that's what you want, no problem. Be it done unto me according to your will. She doesn't argue. She doesn't say this is insane. This doesn't make any sense. What are you thinking? That doesn't work. Do you know this? Do you know that? Um... She doesn't have false humility and say, oh, no, no, not me, go ask the other girl, when really she's excited that it's her, right? She doesn't do any of these, like, fake, pretentious things that, that we do, right? She just says, if this is what you want, I say yes, right? That's all that there was to it. Let your word be done. Whatever God says is going to happen is going to happen. What's the point in arguing? So she's just so not full of herself, nor is she thinking of the world, right? Even Joseph, when he hears... All he has is fear, right? Joseph's immediate thing is like, great, my fiancé, we're not even married, is pregnant. What are they going to do to me, right? I'm not trying to bring Joseph down, he's an incredible saint, right? But look at the difference, right, in, in response between the person who saw it as being from, from God and the other person who, who questioned. It's okay that he questioned, but it's amazing that St. Mary didn't question, 
right? That's what makes her impressive, that she could, she has the right to ask. But because she had such a deep trust in him, she didn't, right? It's like those parents who have this special fondness for the child who just says, okay, right? Who doesn't need to argue on every point, right? They accept and understand that our children, that we need to argue sometimes, right? But they're more moved by the one who doesn't, right? By the one who just accepts. Our God says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The purity of hers, her single focused mind, the purity of her trust and vision of God, her lack of the taint of sins, her purity from self-love, all of these are why she could so intimately see God. And this purity is why God prized her in that way and physically dwelt in St. Mary. Our God looks for the meek and the humble and the small things to work through, which is what the apostles finally understood after Pentecost, right? They're saying the same message. One of the things that St. That Paul says when preaching, when he says, For consider your call, brethren, not many of you were wise according to the flesh. Right? He's talking to these newcomers to the faith, which included even the apostles. St. Paul, unlike them, was a scholar, right? Most of the apostles were not, and most people he was preaching to, they weren't the big shots, right? Christianity actually started more with like the poor. It was a, it was a low level of revolution. Right? And it eventually penetrated the top ranks, but it started actually at the bottom. So St. Paul is saying, consider your calling to Christianity, that according to like the secular word, according to the flesh, you weren't powerful. You guys weren't noble. You guys weren't anybody of, of, of big repute. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, etc. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Saying this very plainly, saying, no, God chooses the weak, He chooses the small, He chooses the rejected, to make a point, so that they know that it is Him, which they were saying from the beginning. That's why the Gideon, he said, no, 10,000 is still too much, 300. I want you 300 to go against these Midianites who are ruthless in war. So that nobody has any doubt that it was not you, right? That you chose 300 of your minuscule army to stand up against the thousands and thousands. Let no one say, by my strength I overcame. This is what the Lord does. And our Lord himself does the same, right? It's not like our Lord came to us with pomp and ceremony. Our Lord was born in a manger, right? He didn't get born in a palace, which was due to him. He was born in poverty. He was born in poverty and immediately became a refugee and an immigrant, right? Within, within no time after his birth, the Holy Family is heading to Egypt, right? Where again, he doesn't know, well, he does as God, right? But in his limited capacity, when he limited himself, he emptied himself, he made himself a stranger. He made himself a refugee. He was in a place where they spoke a different language and had a different currency and a different culture, right? They met people who were, were, were hostile. Our Lord wanted to come down to humanity, right? Our Lord himself, that's why he says, learn from me for I am meek, teaches us that we ought to be this, right? Because the Lord is the king of kings. St. Athanasius gives an analogy of, of a king coming to visit his people. And I'd like to take that analogy a little bit further when I read the, his famous book on the Incarnation, I was saying if a king wants 
to know what it's like to be among the people. He can't go out as a king, right? If he comes out as a king, he'll be treated like one. Everyone's going to bow down. If he wants to get on a chariot, everyone's going to get off and put him on there, right? He's going to get five-star treatment. People are going to open doors. He can break any law he wants. He's the king, right? If he does something that people find unacceptable, it doesn't matter. He's the king. The only way for him to be among the people in a meaningful way was to dress as the people. And so he put on the cloak of humanity. He put on to himself a flesh, right? That way he would be treated truly as a normal human being, right? That he came down, he showed us what we ought to be, but look at the humility that he accepted even though he is the king of kings. The scene in the temple that we read during Holy Week always moved me, but even more than a couple of years when you think of the scene where the servant of the high priest, when our Lord answers Caiaphas, the servant of the high priest slaps him across the face and says to him, do you know who you're talking to? And I can't help but wonder, like, like if anyone ever went to that servant and said, do you know who you are talking to? <laughs> right? You are talking to the God of this temple. You are talking to your boss's boss. Right? But you're so blind because of your obsession with power and authority and whatever it is that you want that you don't even realize that this is your boss. Right? And yet our Lord didn't answer being like, do you know who I am? Right? He didn't bring hail down from heaven and break through the temple, open up the earth and swallow them. He just lowered his head and accepted it. So we need to ask, are you small or are you large? Are you somebody who sees yourself as, as being all that? Do you look to be in charge of things all the time? Do you look to be in the position of prominence? Do you want to be the leader? of whatever it is that you are doing? Do you want to dominate the conversations in which you participate? Do you want your views to dominate over the views of others? Do you look to give people advice when you're not asked? Do you look to direct people? Do you act like you're the only one around that you can do whatever you want and that others, including God, should simply bow down to your will? If you're doing any of these and you're not small, then God won't work in you. And you will find that. You will find that there's a coldness between you and God. Because God can't fill you because you're full of yourself. Yourself included. If I am filled with me, God cannot enter. Right? That's why He takes the foolish. That's why He takes the small. He takes those who don't see themselves as being anything worthy of anything. Genuinely. Not with fakeness, but with genuine sincerity. Of, I am just whoever I am. I don't have anything that He hasn't given me. Right? And that's all that they see it as. They see themselves as a vessel of God. If you are these things, the pattern does not show that you are who God will work through. Your will, your thoughts, your opinion, your wisdom, your senses, your feelings, your emotions, your wants, your lusts, your passion, your desires, they fill you. And where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Whether it is good or evil. But the Lord can't dwell in a heart that is full of other things. That's why he says, clean, clean up and make a place for me, and I'll come. You don't want to clean up? No problem. I respect your free will, but I can't work in you. That's why most of us feel, when we start to do these things, we don't feel the presence of God the way that we used to. Right? Many of us who remember periods of our life where we were close to God, and we had such wonderful experiences with Him. But it's only when we start to turn inwardly towards only ourselves in our self-serving way that we lose this. The Lord exalts the meek and humbles the proud.
right? This is in the Psalms. This is in the Gospels. This is repeated over and over throughout the Bible. The Lord uplifts the meek and chastises the proud. The Lord rejects the proud but uplifts the fallen. The Lord loves the simple but the proud he knows from afar. Right? This is repeated over and over and over all throughout the Old and New Testament. It's a very consistent theme. Our Lord humbled himself and took the form of a servant. This is what we are celebrating in the times of Advent. Right? Is that he humbled himself and became a slave. The one who is king by nature right, became man, became a slave. The bodiless took on body. The uncontainable became contained. The timeless entered time. The king became a slave. The parent became a child. Right? This is a very moving thing. The absolute allowed himself to be obedient to others. Right? The one who has absolute authority allowed himself to be obedient to his own creation. Imagine if any of your parents said, I'm your kid, you tell me what to do. You'd be so moved by that. You would, you, it would be a strange, just a strange change of roles, right? And yet our God allowed this. This is a wonder greater than we can ever understand. So be meek, be humble, be small. Be small so we can say, like St. Mary, that the Lord has looked upon my lowliness and raised me, so that the Lord himself may work in us, among us, through us, and in all of you. And glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.